Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome to the Science of Success with your host, Matt Bonner. Welcome to the Science of Success. I'm your host, Matt Bodner. I'm an entrepreneur and investor in Nashville, Tennessee, and I'm obsessed with the mindset of success and the psychology of performance. I've read hundreds of books, conducted countless hours of research and study, and I'm going to take you on a journey into the human mind and what makes peak performers tick. With a focus on always having our discussions rooted in psychological research and scientific fact, not opinion. Today, you're going to learn how a few tiny leaps can help you achieve your goals, how to optimize your day around your biorhythms, how to invest in improving your sleep, practical steps to increase your creativity, and much more with our guest, Greg Clunas. Greg is the creator and host of Tiny Leaps, Big Changes, a podcast that shares simple research-backed strategies to get more out of your life. Because the science of success keeps growing and growing, with now more than 285,000 downloads, making the front page of New and Noteworthy, and much more, I wanted to offer something special to my listeners. I'm giving away a $100 Amazon gift card to one lucky listener. All you have to do to be entered to win is to text the word SMARTER, that's S-M-A-R-T-E-R, to the number 44222. Again, that's SMARTER to 44222. And if you've been listening and loving the podcast, please leave us an awesome review and subscribe on iTunes. This helps us reach more people. In our previous episode, we had an incredible conversation about the ultimate indicators for personal growth, the surprising data-backed truth about achievement, the incredible importance of willpower, and the one personality test that can predict success in the real world with our incredible guest, the renowned business psychologist, Peter Shallard. Definitely check that episode out. Today, we're excited to have a new guest on the show, Greg Clunas. Greg is the creator and host of Tiny Leaps, Big Changes, a podcast that shares simple research-backed strategies to get more out of your life. Greg, welcome to the Science of Success. Thank you so much for having me. I'm pumped to be here. Well, we're super excited to have you on. Um, so, so tell me a little bit about yourself, Greg. What's your background and, and kind of what made you passionate about uh, this subject? Yeah, so 
My background is uh, kind of interesting. Just to give a little bit of context to the audience, uh, I'm currently 23 years old. The show that I'm working on that you mentioned in the intro, that is more of a, a new project for me, but it is in this space that I've always sort of been interested in. Um, so 10 years ago, when I was 13, I visited my older brother down in Florida. And my brother is a big guy. He's a personal trainer, bodybuilder. So for a little 13-year-old Greg, it was he's kind of a scary guy. So I got there that summer, and he told me that by the end of the summer, I had to read this book. And he handed me the book. It was pretty big. It was uh, Awaken the Giant Within by Tony Robbins. And so over the course of that summer, I read the book. And it was my first introduction to sort of this world of personal development and uh, goal setting and entrepreneurship and going after your dreams, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So that summer really snowballed into the last 10 years of consuming this content and being just fascinated by all of it, um, which then led to multiple failures as far as businesses and projects that I've worked on and leading up to where we are now with the podcast that is all about the simple things you can do that actually lead to successes later on. Awesome. And, uh, and I, know, I know Tiny Leap's Big Changes is relatively new, but you've gotten a, a ton of traction since launch, right? Yeah, I'm actually a little bit floored. Uh, we launched, and I keep saying we, but I'm the only one working on it. Um, I launched January 1st, and as of January 31st, we crossed 41,000 downloads uh, total. So I'm absolutely floored by it. We are currently ranking in the top 20 for the overall health category within iTunes. And I don't know how long the momentum is going to last, but people seem to be resonating with the message, which is something I'm happy about, not just because it means that I have a, a successful show, but also because it means that people are looking for these strategies that they can actually use to, to get where they want to go. And I think more and more people are gravitating to that kind of stuff. I mean, that's very similar to what we talk about on the science of success is how can you leverage research and, you know, actual data-based science to drive your decisions and to make yourself more effective and more productive? Yeah. And you know, it's something I noticed that actually last, uh, last fall is what sparked the idea for the show in the first place. Over the last, I would say, three years, and you've probably noticed this as well, the personal development space has gotten to this point where it's all about saying things that kind of sound good, but don't really have any practicality behind it. So I think more and more people are starting to realize that just because you say follow your passion doesn't mean that it's easy to just quit your job and go knit or whatever it is you're passionate about. There are a very specific set of steps that need to happen in between where you are now and get into that point that you can do your thing full time. And I think where you and I are very similar is we're producing content and shows that focus on those steps. Exactly. So talking about those different steps, what do you think it is that stops people from achieving their goals? And what, you know, what do you think it is about maybe the, the kind of current state of a lot of this literature that is holding people back? You know, I think the biggest thing that stops a lot of people from going after the things that they want is just the scope of it. You know, if you are working full time in an office, for example, let's say you are in an entry level position and you really want to be a 
New York Times bestselling author. That is a very different place in life from where you currently are. So it almost becomes huge. Like it's this huge, huge challenge to identify, well, how do I actually get there? I I don't know anybody that is in the publishing industry. I don't know any authors. So I think ultimately it comes down to the scope of the goals that we're trying to accomplish. And that's intimidating. It leaves us in this position where we end up not taking any action simply because the any action we could take seems too small to actually get us there. And we don't know how to take the bigger actions. So ultimately, it comes down to not being able to break down what their goals are into the small steps that lead to it in order to give themselves a motivation to move forward. So what do you think is a step that people can take potentially to kind of take that that big, scary, audacious goal and kind of bring that down to something that's more concrete and more achievable? I think the simplest thing anyone can do, regardless of what their goal is, is simply to find somebody who has done it. And it doesn't have to be someone that you personally know. But what I mean by that is, you know, growing up, I personally, and this is my personal life growing up, I didn't know anyone that had successfully started a business or a podcast. Of course, I didn't know that. So I could have made decisions based on the people that I knew and the people that were around me in order to provide those influences. And I know exactly where I would have ended up. I would have been a doctor, I would have been a lawyer, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So the only way to get those influences, if you don't have those people around you, if you aren't growing up in an environment where you can pull those experiences from people that you know, is to find somebody in the world, in the entire world, that has accomplished this thing and study their life, whether that be through their biography or their Wikipedia page or through the work that they put out. Finding them and choosing to follow what they do in order to show you show yourself that this is a thing that can possibly be done. And that's that's really the most important step is to start to realize that whatever it is you're trying to accomplish, it can be done. It's possible to create that thing. It may take you 10, 15 years, but it's possible to do it. And before you can take any other steps, you need to be able to accept that it's possible to do it. And many people can't do that simply because they don't have the exposure. And I think that, that that makes me think of two things. One, that sort of ties back into the idea of limiting beliefs, which is something we've talked about a little bit and the way that you know people's perception of reality can kind of mask uh, or make things you know achievable or not achievable. And the other kind of the, you know the other side of the coin that, that that makes me think about is a book by a guy named Rick Smith. It's actually called The Leap. So tying back into sort of the theme of you know tiny leaps, big changes. And his book is uh, sort of a similar idea, which is basically the notion of like how does somebody go from you know having kind of a corporate career to doing something totally different, unique, and interesting. And he he tells uh, the story of kind of the idea of the entrepreneur as this you know fanatical risk taker is basically an illusion. And the vast majority of people who kind of make that leap or make that transition actually do it really slowly by kind of just building up small wins and small momentum until it's sort of you get pulled away from your job instead of just, you know, jumping headfirst into this kind of vast, unknown, you know, very risky situation. Yeah. And you know what? I am a living testament to that because right now I am fully self-employed. I'm 
fortunate enough to be able to sustain myself and my quality of life based entirely off of multiple different income streams. But this isn't the first time that I've been in this position. This isn't the first time that I've tried to take that leap and leave a a comfortable full-time job in order to do this. And the last time was about a year ago. Actually, I guess it was about a year and a half now. And I knew that I had the the quote unquote knowledge and the skills to make this thing happen, but there was no momentum built. There was no plan in place and there was no there was there's really no indication that this was the time for me to do it. I was just frustrated and young and felt, okay, well, I need to do this right now. And that ended in a total and complete failure. I ran out of money in about two months. I didn't bring on a single client in that time. And I just wasn't executing and doing the work required to make that thing happen. And what that really taught me, what that experience taught me, having to go back and get another job after making such a big deal about leaving, was that it's exactly as you said, these changes don't happen in an instant. They're not things that you go from where you are now to wherever you want to be in a day. Even if you have the skills and the connections and the knowledge to do these things, momentum still has to build. It needs to be a part of the overall process. And that might mean that for a period of time, you are working two jobs, one that is by your own design and one that is to pay the bills. And that's going to be hard. But that momentum needs to be there before you take the leap. Otherwise, you're going to take the leap and not actually have anything to work on. I think that, yeah, I think that's great. So change, I'm going to change gears a little bit. What's the most surprising topic that you've covered on, on Tiny Leap so far? Yeah, so for me, the most surprising like, topic that I've, I've talked about so far was uh, back in episode four, I did an episode on meditation. And the actual title of the episode was Why Meditation Can Save Your Brain. But what was surprising about it was I've always heard, and I'm sure listeners of this show have heard as well, that you should try and build meditation into your daily routine. And I sort of intellectually knew why, but I could never find any real hard evidence of these benefits playing out. So as I was doing the research for the that episode, one really interesting thing I learned was that meditation or rather consistent meditation over time has actually been proven to increase the total available gray matter in key areas of the brain. And uh, these areas are usually involved with things like decision making and reflexes and various senses such as sight or taste. And by increasing those, the available gray matter, especially in the decision making area, it puts you in this state where you can actually stay calmer in stressful situations and you can make much more logical and reasonable decisions in situations that many other people might find too difficult. So that I found really fascinating. And they found that by actually putting people in an MRI machine for people who have been meditating for X number of years, let's say 15, 20 years, versus someone who just recently started meditating. And they noticed that these areas, there was a lot more available gray matter there. So the finding was fascinating to me. But the reason that that's so surprising to me is simply because you hear all the time that meditation is a part of 
pretty much every single successful person's daily routine. And this finding just sort of helps solidify some of the reasons that they may be able to maintain their success when dealing with such difficult challenges that many of us have never had to face. I think meditation is such an important concept and something that uh, everybody should at least consider or, or think about or kind of do some research on. And uh, that's funny because we actually have an upcoming episode about meditation as well. Um, oh, really? Uh, yeah. And that's, I mean, that's why I love your podcast because I think there's there's so many fascinating topics that uh, that you cover that, you know, also have some, I mean, some overlap with the things that we talk about. And really, when it gets back to it, to me, the thing that is most important is like, it's not just some hocus pocus that somebody's saying, oh, meditation, yeah, like, it's great for you, you know, whatever. It's like, no, there's that, they, they put them in an MRI machine, right? And they literally yeah. measured their brain activity. And it has a physical impact on your body that then impacts your mind that impacts your brain. It impacts your ability to process information to react to situations, which then impacts your actions and ultimately your reality. Exactly. So there's a very clear link to these, quote unquote, hokey things when you break it down to the science behind it, which is what I love. So one of the other topics that you've covered on the podcast is uh, the distinction between early birds and night owls and uh, how it kind of tying back in the idea of biology, how you can leverage biology to move towards your goals. Tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, so I'm sure many people listening to this have experienced this. I'm personally a night owl. I've always been much more awake and alert I'd say around 9 p.m. And that's like my bedtime, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's my that's my girlfriend's bedtime as well. So um, I've been going to bed a lot earlier since moving in together. But it's always been frustrating for me because obviously the world we live in is designed around the nine to five or even when you're in school, you're up early and nighttime is is for sleep. Not to mention when you look back, even back when humans were sort of collected into tribes in order for, to survive, more than likely, you're not going to find somebody that's walking around at nighttime because obviously visibility is lower, which means your chances of survival are lower. So really the whole being an early bird or building our society around early birds comes entirely from this past tribe that needed to survive and so they weren't going out at nighttime. But what they actually found is that whether you're an early bird or a night owl didn't really matter for today's world. Um, many of us aren't dealing with issues where going out at night is going to put a, put us at too much more risk. And so the argument of should you be an early bird or a night owl is really one that it, it's not that valuable anymore. And what they found matters instead is what you do with that time and choosing to optimize for when your body is much more naturally capable of performing. Because at the end of the day, results are what matters. So not everyone's in a position that they can take full advantage of this. I'm fortunate enough that I am able to decide when I work on certain projects. So if I know that something is going to be very mentally taxing, I can choose to do it when I'm most alert, which is at nighttime. Um, most people who have a full-time job can't make that same decision. But what you can do is just realize, start to identify when your body is most alert. And even for night owls, there are going to be certain points of the day during the nine to five 
that your brain and your body are much more alert than other times of the day. Even if you're not a 9 a.m. person, if you get to work and you can't talk to anybody until you drink your first cup of coffee, that's fine. Maybe you're most alert at 2 p.m. or maybe 3 p.m. Try to save those mentally taxing tasks, if you can, if you're in a position to do this, for that period when you are most alert. And that's really what it comes down to is trying to optimize your productivity on a day-to-day basis for the times when you're much more capable of producing quality work. So at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if you're a night owl or an early bird. Unfortunately, the world we live in caters more towards early birds, but really it's a cycle throughout the day that we're all constantly going through where we have high energy levels, high alertness levels, and low energy levels and slash alertness levels. So focusing on your body and what it's telling you is the number one thing you can do to improve your productivity, improve your creativity, and move forward with whatever goal you have. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting. But Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims Bras at Skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. I, I think that's critically important. And one of the things that I do, I'm, you know, obviously I said my bedtime's like 9 p.m., so I'm much more of an early bird. Um, and I try to structure my day where I have all of my, you know, until up until about noon, I try to have all of my kind of productive, proactive, you know, time where I'm working on these creative, these tough challenges. Um, and then I try to do all of my meetings, you know, where I'm kind of droning through information or meeting with people or whatever it might be in the afternoon where my, you know, my energy level is a little bit lower and I don't have as much focus so that I can really kind of concentrate all that focus on the morning sessions where I'm, you know, being really proactive and trying to make those big high leverage decisions and actions that are going to make the biggest results in my life.
Yeah, that's a very valuable thing to know about yourself. So a related topic is sleep. And and sleep is something that I'm fascinated with. And we're definitely going to do a future episode on sleep. We don't have one on the slate yet. But it's something I, I want to really drill down and learn a lot more about. Uh, you have talked about it on your podcast. Tell me a little bit about you know, how can you, for lack of a better term, kind of hack your sleep or, you know, optimize your sleep for more effective performance? So one of the things that I pulled, uh, this is something I learned from another podcast I listened to. I think it was actually uh, Tim Ferriss's show. He received advice at one point in his life uh, that if there was any one thing you were going to invest in, that was a thing that you owned rather than an experience, it should be a high quality mattress. And I sort of took that to heart primarily because uh, this time last year, as I was when I was still working full time and I was sort of building up to uh, taking my leap, I was pulling 12 to 15 hour days between my full time job and getting home to work on client projects. So one of the things I very quickly realized is if I wasn't going to get high quality sleep, not just eight hours, but high quality sleep, which means complete darkness, comfortable bed that supports you and the ability to not wake up throughout the night, then I wasn't going to be able to survive on six hours sleep a night, basically, which is what I was getting at the time. And so I invested in a super high quality memory foam mattress. And that's made such a huge difference in my life. Because as I said, I'm a night owl. So since the world is built around early birds for the most part, and I do still have to wake up early in order to make meetings or calls or whatever the case, I often lose sleep at night. I often don't get my eight hours or my nine hours. And in order to be able to function while losing that sleep, the most important thing for me is sleep quality. And it's actually good that we're talking about this right now because the episode that I'm putting up for today is all about the difference between just getting your eight hours and getting eight hours of high intensity sleep, essentially, is what I'm, I'm calling it. And the main difference is this. Throughout the night, we all sort of cycle through our different sleep cycles. And there are periods where we're getting much more restful sleep versus not as restful sleep. But there are a few things we can do prior to going to bed that allows us to maximize the amount of restful sleep that we get. Uh, and I, I sort of touched on this a little bit earlier. Number one, have a mattress and a bed that is suited for you and your body. Because just because memory foam works for me doesn't mean it's going to work for you. Just because, I don't know, whatever other fancy mattresses are out there works for someone else doesn't mean it's going to work for you. You have to find a mattress that works for your body and is able to support you so that throughout the night you're not getting pulled out of REM sleep because your body's uncomfortable, which is something that happens. Even if you don't wake up, your REM sleep can end simply because there's a distraction around you and your body might have to prepare to wake up. Um, another thing is to make sure you're sleeping in pitch dark. So one investment I also make is blackout curtains for the bedroom. And that's very important to me because any small light, even if I, I'm still able to fall asleep, it disrupts your sleep while you're slumbering. So making sure that when you go to sleep, it's pitch black. And I don't care if you're going to sleep in the middle of the day, do everything you can to make it as dark as possible in your room because you don't want to break yourself out of REM 
because then when you wake up, that's when you start to feel like you didn't get enough sleep. And that's when you're tired and drowsy all day. And at the end of the day, the number one thing that leads to performance is how mentally alert, how focused, and how creative you are. That's what allows each of us to make decisions on a daily basis that have very, very tangible results on our lives. So if you know that your ability to get high quality sleep is being disrupted, then essentially your ability to make high quality decisions is also being disrupted. Those two may not directly connect in your mind right now, but if you look at your actions over the course of a 30-day period or a 60-day period where you're not getting enough sleep, you can very clearly see a correlation. Have you looked at or used any like sleep monitoring devices or anything that kind of drills down on sleep analytics? I haven't, but I'm actually uh, just about to, I just bought one the other day. I'm starting that uh, next week because I want to do a follow-up sleep episode on the actual breakdown of my own sleep cycle. So that is something that I will be able to report back on, but I don't have the data right now. Fair enough. So you mentioned creativity, and that's something that uh, I think is, you know, vital. What are some of the strategies that you've uncovered that listeners can implement to improve and kind of grow and nurture their own creativity? So creativity is a really weird thing because it's very counterintuitive. Um, And what I mean by that is, so on the surface, creativity seems to be this very weird process that just gets pulled out of nowhere. You know, you have a brilliant idea and and so you're creative. But really what's happening is that your mind is always sort of processing information, whether you're conscious of it or not. You're always bringing in data and processing it and sorting it. And by constantly doing that on a day-to-day basis, you're pulling these bits and pieces of ideas from the things that you experience and the things that you see and the data that you're gathering. And eventually when you have those big idea moments, that's not really where the idea started. You didn't just have that idea. You've had that idea for probably three weeks now, but it just finally fully formed and you were able to articulate it. So creativity is a strange thing because it's actually something that we can practice and consistently do. And by that, I mean things like writing down every idea that you have and keeping a track of it or keeping a log of it. And what that's going to do for you over time is all of these ideas, they're eventually going to add up into something that is a good idea. But if you constantly forget your ideas, if you constantly throw them away, you're not keeping track of that data. And while you don't personally have to do it, your subconscious has to do it because it's a thing that's really sorting everything and figuring out the best way to put it together. So if I had to give sort of some practical strategies for improving creativity, uh, number one, I would say read the book Steal Like an Artist by Austin Kleon. I'm a huge, huge fan of that book. It's about a 45-minute read, and it's all about how to be creative by stealing the ideas that you encounter and putting them together into something that's greater than the individual parts which is what creativity in today's world is, because there's nothing new under the sun, right? So if that is the case, then really all we have left is innovation. And how 
do we innovate but by constantly pulling ideas from everything that we consume and identifying ways to apply it to whatever thing we're working on. So number one is read the books you like an artist. Number two is start to keep a log of your ideas and your thoughts and the things that interest you. If you watch a TV show, let's say you're a big fan of Game of Thrones, spend an episode trying to figure out what it is that you like about the episode. It doesn't you probably don't actually know the words that attract you to this show. And if you're able to just write down some of those thoughts, that's going to help you in the long run. Because in 60 days or 90 days, when you have that brilliant idea, some piece of it is going to come from this experience that you had today. Huge fan um, of Game of Thrones, by the way. Yeah, it's a fantastic show. Um, so so yeah, read the books, Steal Like an Artist. That'll sort of help you switch your mindset on what creativity is and who can use it and then start to keep a log of all of the things that matter to you and all of the things that make an impression to you and try to break down why they do. By doing that, you're going to be constantly gathering the data that you're eventually going to combine and utilize into that big idea or that solution to your problem or whatever the cases. Uh, and I'm a huge advocate of keeping some kind of log or notebook or whatever. Personally, I'm a big Evernote user. Do you, what do you use to keep track of all your ideas? Yeah, I love Evernote. I'm actually uh, in full transparency. I'm incredibly scattered with this. Uh, so I do have a journal. I journal daily. And so most of my ideas end up there. But if I happen to be out on the road, I'll pull up the Evernote app and jot it in there. If I'm on my computer, I use just I'm a, I have a MacBook, so I just use the Notes app in MacBook. And the only reason I choose that over Evernote, Evernote is simply because it's always open, so it's much easier just to get to. And just keep your Evernote open all the time. Yeah, I I've been trying to get myself to do that for months now. My life would be a lot easier if I just kept it all in Evernote. But um, what ends up happening is eventually I'll copy and paste it over, so it's not a huge issue, but I do love Evernote a lot. I'm also a big fan of um, uh, so Todoist. It's really a, a to-do list app, but there's a lot of really interesting ways that you can filter and sort things. So uh, I've all, I've been using it actually as is sort of a little list rather than a, a to-do list. Fascinating. So let's uh, let's let's mix it up and change gears again. Another topic that we've talked about a ton. Uh, on this podcast is is the idea of kind of embracing failure and how to deal with setbacks. And I know you have also talked about that on Tiny Leaps. Tell me a little bit about, you know, some of that stuff and and really what your take on that is. And I would not be where I am right now if it wasn't for failures and setbacks. Uh, I, I described earlier the last time that I took the leap and quit my job. I, um, that in my opinion, was a huge failure having to go back to get another job and actually not even a different job. I went back to the same company. Um, so that was even worse. But if I hadn't failed then, I wouldn't be where I am now simply because I wouldn't have realized the mistakes that I was making. And that's really what failure always comes down to is it's simply learning what you what doesn't work. And I think Thomas Edison has a great quote on this that I, I don't quite remember off the top of my head. But failure is all about trying an idea, making a hypothesis, if we're going to talk in terms of science, making a hypothesis and 
finding out that your hypothesis wasn't true. And that doesn't really mean anything. At the end of the day, we're the only ones that attach an emotion to failure. We really don't have to feel bad about not running a 5K or not going to the gym today or whatever it is we failed at. We don't have to feel bad about it. We apply that emotion because we've been wrapped up in the idea. But simply, what if we just looked at it as, okay, well, my goal was to run a 10K and I, I, wasn't a, I was only able to make five. Well, what were the things that I could have done differently that would have allowed me to make the 10? So if we look at it entirely as a learning experiment, then all of a sudden, there's no emotion attached to this failure. It's just another step in getting to where you want to go. So I completely embrace failure personally. Simply, I mean, I spent 10 years failing at different ideas until something finally worked. And now I'm enjoying the fruits of those failures simply because I know a lot of things that don't work. And I know when I'm working with a client and they're trying something that I tried four years ago, I can tell them, well, this is what will likely happen. And that's a very valuable thing to be able to do. So ultimately, failure is not a bad thing. And there is a very weird stigma that we place on it ourselves. We add all of this emotion that doesn't need to be there when all we're doing is learning something. And, and that's something we've harped on a bunch on the science of success, whether it's uh, the episode where we talk about the growth mindset versus the fixed mindset and how kind of each of those different mindsets approaches the concept of failure versus kind of the concept of learning. Uh, or talking about what I know a book you're a big fan of, The Obstacle is the Way. Yeah, uh, I love that book. Which is, uh, you know, basically like the Bible of how to deal with setbacks. Like, I, and, and the thing about The Obstacle is the Way that blows me away is it's it's 2,000 years old. You know, these lessons are from, from Stoicism. They're, yeah. they're timeless lessons that haven't changed. You know, society evolves, society changes. But the lessons of how to deal with problems and setbacks – really haven't changed at all. Yeah. And what that really comes down to is that setback is setback is setback. It doesn't matter what scale the setback is on. At the end of the day, each person experiences their own setback at the exact level that they allow themselves to experience it. So if we attach a significant amount of emotion to whether or not we lose 50 pounds, then when if we fail to do that, we're going to feel the lashing of that failure because we've attached so much emotion to this goal. But if we approach it from the point of view of this is my goal and I want to find out how to make this possible, then all of the failures along the way to get in there aren't going to hurt as much. And if they don't hurt as much, we're more likely to try them. Exactly. It's all, all of the meaning stems from what we assign to it. Exactly. So tell me a little bit about the My Tiny Leaps game. What is it and, and how can people participate in it? Yeah, so My Tiny Leaps is an interesting concept. I know you did an episode with Steve Cam from um, Nerd Fitness. And I kind of stole the idea a little bit from him. But also, I was a huge, I mean, I still am a huge nerd myself. I spent pretty much all of high school. I think he played EverQuest. I played World of Warcraft. So it's just a later generation. And so gaming is a big part of my history and, and why I, I'm where I am now. And so with My Tiny Leaps, the whole idea is to build a game around those small things that we can do on a daily basis 
in order to move ourselves forward to our goal. Uh, the theory is that really the thing that stops someone from acting on the things they know they should act on is that it's more entertaining or more interesting to do their default activity. So if somebody gets home from work and their default is to cook dinner and sit down in front of the TV and, and sort of veg out for the rest of the night, that's more entertaining than, say, going to the gym or meditating or journaling or, or whatever the thing that can move them forward is. So my concept and my this is a hypothesis, really, that I'm in the middle of testing, is that by structuring those activities in this in a series of quests, essentially, that are given out every day with each episode, it'll make it a much more interesting experience to do these activities rather than just me telling you to do them. Because all of a sudden, it's not just you're journaling. Well, you're also gaining experience that you are going to be published on the website as far as where you rank with everyone else that's playing. Um, you're leveling up your character, which is really just your life. And eventually, if the game catches on and listeners really start to get involved, uh, I'm going to be building it out so that there is an app that goes along with it that people can actually see where they stand in the different areas of life based on the quests that they've completed. Um, so that's the ultimate vision for it. As I said, still in the very early stages. I think we've only been playing for about two weeks now. Uh, people have been getting involved, which I'm extremely excited about. And if anyone listening does want to get involved, all you have to do is listen to any of my podcast episodes from episode 14 onwards. Uh, every single one of them has a quest built into it. Listen to it, find out what the quest is, and go on Twitter or Instagram, complete the quest, and use the hashtag MyTinyLeaps, and you're in the game, and that's it. So what's what's one quest that you would give to our listeners right now? Okay, so a really good quest for the people listening to this show that really just want to uh, jump into making a change and working towards whatever goal they have is to get out of a journal or a piece of paper and a pen or pencil and write down what your goal for this month is. And you may all all you're trying to do here is establish where you want to be at the end of the month. And by month, I mean the next 30 day period. I don't care if it's March 15th right now or April 15th, 30 days from now, where do you want to be? And write that down Make it something simple that is actually achievable. Don't go too big here because you don't want to make something that you aren't going to act on. You want to do something that you can actually accomplish. So write it down. Take a picture of that goal or just type it out on Twitter and use the hashtag MyTinyLeaps and you'll be playing in the game. You'll get 15 points, experience points for that quest and for those of you listening who may not know the rules of the game so far, we are all level one currently. It takes a total of 200 experience points to get to level two, and you're going to get 15 for this one. So play the game, post it on Twitter or Instagram, and you'll be well on your way to leveling up. What are some of the best books you've read about research back strategies to change your life? I'm essentially going to list out three books, and I don't know for a fact that they all approach uh, personal development from the point of view of research. Some of them may approach it from the point of view of personal story or, or personal journals. And 
So I, I want the listeners to keep that in mind. But I'm listing these books specifically because I think that they've had the biggest effect on my life. And I've, we've actually discussed two of them. So the first is Awaken the Giant Within by Tony Robbins. And I know this is an, an old book by today's standards, but I still think it is one of the best personal development and personal growth books in the industry. Um, it's a little bit big, but the way it breaks down the different areas of life from our uh, physical health to our financial health, to our emotional health, to our spiritual health, et cetera, et cetera. I think it is invaluable for every person's bookshelf. Uh, the second book is The Obstacle is the Way. And this is, I read last year and it's very quickly become a favorite simply because as Matt pointed out, it focuses on the Stoic philosophy. And for those of you who don't know what that is, it's essentially a mindset of how to approach great setbacks and great obstacles and realizing that those things are really just opportunities to move forward. So if you're able to essentially not crumble under the pressure, then you're going to be in a much better place than you were prior to that thing. So that's a personal favorite as well. And third is a book that I actually got from Audible. I got it as an audiobook. The narration for the audiobook is really, really good. Uh, it's The Power of Habit by Charles, I, th I believe you pronounce his last name, Duhigg or Duhigg. Um, and it's a, that's also a pretty big book, but it breaks down the role that habits play in where we ultimately end up. And one of the analogies that it uses that I really like is that of a plane taken off from New York heading to L.A. Now, if that plane is pointed slightly off course, even just by a few millimeters in the beginning, by the end of its flight, it'll be somewhere a couple hundred miles away from where it should have been. And the reason I really like that is because it shows that the tiny things are really what matters. Those millimeters, if they had just been corrected, would have gotten to would have gotten the plane to its actual location. Whereas in your daily life, those tiny things just journal in for 10 minutes a day or meditate in for five minutes a day in six years is what's going to make a drastic exponential change because it's going to put you in a position to take advantage of things that you can't currently conceive happening for you. Um, so I really like that book as well. Uh, so just to recap, it is Awaken the Giant Within by Tony Robbins, The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday, and The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg. Those are my three personal favorites at the moment. And 2016 is ahead of us. So I'm sure that I'm going to read a lot of great books. And I'll be sharing those on the podcast as I read them. So what's the best place for people to find the podcast and find you online? Yeah, so you are already listening to this show, just take the app or the, uh, the application that you're currently using and search Tiny Leaps Big Changes and my show should pop right up. Um, I suggest listening to the most recent episode. And if you want to get in touch with me personally, you can reach me on Twitter at Greg Clunas or the show actually has a Twitter account now and that's relatively new. So that's at Tiny Leaps CO and the website for the show is tinyleaps.co. Awesome. Well, Greg, thank you so much for being on the show. And I think everybody's going to absolutely love all this information. There's a ton of all kinds of different things from sleep to creativity to, you know, awesome books you should check out. So I think it's, uh, 
it's great. And we're very glad to have you as a guest. Yeah, thank you for having me, man. This was awesome. Thank you so much for listening to The Science of Success. Listeners like you are what make this podcast possible. I'm incredibly grateful to every single one of you, and I'm so thankful that I'm able to share this incredible journey with you. As a thank you to you for being awesome, I'm giving away a $100 Amazon gift card to one lucky listener. All you have to do to be entered to win is to text the word SMARTER, that's S-M-A-R-T-E-R, to 44222. And... If you enjoyed this episode and you've been loving the podcast, please subscribe on iTunes and leave us a great review. Thank you so much, and I'll see you on the next episode of The Science of Success.